Welcome to the Encounter Community Church Podcast, where we take God's Word and look at how we can utilize, practically apply it, and implement it into our lives. Welcome back to the Encounter Community Church Podcast. My name is Ken Ballard Jr. I am the pastor here at Encounter Community Church. And I'm still, I guess, processing what happened last Wednesday. It's hard to wrap my head around the fact that, again, that that happened here in America. And I don't know, maybe that is reflective of maybe our pride. Maybe we didn't think that something like that could happen here in America. I, I don't know. I don't know what it, what it reflects in, in many ways. I do know this, you know, last Sunday, or two Sundays ago, we started a brand new series called Launching the New You. And and one of the things that I said is the goal of that series is to be able to look at what has happened in our lives in 2020, take the lessons from 2020, apply them to our lives so that we can be a better us in 2021. And one of the things that I said was due to the... I guess, massiveness of the challenges that we had in 2020, that we were going to have some spillover into 2021. I had no idea that in saying that, that it would be an uprising, an insurrection that we would see happen in our nation. And many of us may think that that has never happened in our nation before, but it actually has. In 1898, in Wilmington, North Carolina, it's called the Wilmington Insurrection of 1898, also known as the Wilmington Massacre of 1898, or the Wilmington Coup of 1898. So basically what happened is back in that time in the 1860s, uh, there was this growth because what happened with a lot of African Americans or a lot of blacks, uh, they were moving from the South heading North because they were trying to break away from the racial atmosphere, the segregation atmosphere of the South to head North because they felt like there were further opportunities there. And so in this one city in Wilmington, North Carolina is really interesting. It's the largest city of the state at that point and it had a majority black population with the black population accounting for about 55% of roughly about 25% thousand people of that time. Now, the neat thing about that is the blacks that were that were in that city began to establish themselves. They began to try to build homes as much as they could up, but still a majority of the homes were owned by whites, but they tried. Uh, You had actually a a black newspaper uh, that was there. But then uh, also one of the cool things that happened is because of blacks being able to have voting privileges there, you began to have blacks voting and being voted into local office. And I mean, that's really great when you look at it from that perspective to see like, wow, progress was happening back then. Well, unfortunately, in 1897, there began to be this growing resentment towards blacks in Wilmington, North Carolina, specifically towards blacks that were in the legislature, uh, the local legislature local government 
and the mindset became that we cannot allow blacks to continue to run our city. As a matter of fact, there was a man who was the Democratic State Party Chairman. Uh, his name was Fumifold Simmons, and I know I probably brutalized that. Actually, his name was Fernandfold Simmons. <laughs> oh boy, there's a lot of letters running together uh, in that name. Uh, but they began to just make some choices. And here's one of the things that he has actually said. North Carolina is a white man's state and white men will rule it. And they will crush the party of Negro domination beneath the majority so overwhelming that no other party will ever dare to attempt to establish Negro rule. And so their idea was to try to rescue their state from what they deemed as tyranny or rescue their city from what they deem as tyranny. So what happened was on Thursday, November 10th, 1898, there was a race riot and many tried to blame blacks at that time, but really it was motivated by the Southern Democratic group because the Democratic party was different back then. It's really interesting. Back in those times in the early 1800s, the Republican party was actually the party that moved for integration and those kind of things. The Democratic Party was actually the party made mostly Southern Democrats that resisted that. So it's interesting because we completely flip-flopped that now, haven't we? But what happened is the coup occurred after the state's white Southern Democrats conspired and led a mob of 2,000 white men to overthrow the legitimately elected government, local government at that point, and they expelled opposition from black and white political leaders from the city, destroyed property and businesses of black citizens that were, had been built up since the Civil War. So we're talking about about 30 years of people building and working, including the only black newspaper in the city, and they killed an estimate 60, between 60 and 300 people, a majority of those, of course, being black. And it was one of those things that was a black mark on our history. But it's really interesting because it's not something that we hear about. It's not something that we know about. So this isn't the first time that has happened here in America. But because, of course, this happens in our lifetime and for us, it happened right before our eyes. It, it still blows our minds that something like this could happen. And, and here's what it revealed to me is I, I think that we are still in a place where our nation needs healing. I, I did a series last year called Politics and Religion. I wanna encourage you, if you can, you can go back, you can watch it on our website. You can also listen to the podcast as I talked about it as well. And in that series, I really just emphasized the steps that we needed to take in order to be able to heal as a nation. Now, this last Sunday, or this previous Sunday, if you weren't able to watch the live stream, I, I talked about it again this Sunday, and I talked about the, the formula that God has given us to be able to see restoration and renewal happen in our land. And it's based off of 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Great passage to read. In 13, God reveals consequences for the choices that we make. In verse 14, he reveals how to be able to turn it around so that we can have healing happen or so that Israel can have healing happen in its nation. And I think we can take the same principles 
and applied them to America today, which is what I talked about in the message as well. But what I wanted to continue to dig into today is how do we continue to move forward so that we can see healing happen here in America? And so, like I said before, I encourage you to watch the messages and listen to the podcast because what it does is it creates a a, a complete thought for the week. But today, here's what we're going to spend some time in. We're going to spend some time in Acts chapter 6. And starting at verse 1, it says, But as the believers rapidly multiply, there were rumblings of discontent. You know, it's interesting because a lot of times we look at the early church and we think, man, the early church had it figured out. The early church had it all together. If we could just go back to and be just like the early church. But here's the thing that's really interesting is when you go back and you begin to read through the, the Pauline letters, the Pauline letters are books that were written by the Apostle Paul. So that starts at Romans and it goes all the way through Titus, uh, but or Philemon. But you can go through and you can read through those books. And they're actually letters. And here's the thing. Those letters were letters that were written to different churches in different cities addressing problems in those churches. So challenges in churches has been something that's been continual. It's something that will continue to happen because we're all flawed men. We're all flawed people. So the same challenge has happened in Acts chapter 6. Now, what was the problem? It says... Again, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So literally what we're seeing here, racism. They were saying that there was a problem with racism in their culture. And in many ways, it it kind of makes sense because there was a mindset that had to be overcome. And the mindset was that the Jews are the chosen people of God. They are. But Jesus made it really clear upon his death and resurrection that once anyone who chose to believe, because he said, if anyone believes in me, if anyone believes. So this message went out to all, Jew or Gentile. It went out to all. But what happened is Back in those times, the Jewish Christians were insisting that the Christians of other cultures began to convert to Judaism and live the way that they lived in order to be accepted as believers. So there was a lot of conversation about this. And one of the ways that it manifested itself is in examples of the one that we just read, where now you have these problems. And here's the thing. It's in the church. It's in the church. So this challenge still exists. I will say that racism still exists in the church today. It's still a challenge that we have to work through and that we have to deal with. For example, think about it. What is the most segregated day of the week? It's Sunday. And that's because you have your black churches, you have your white churches, you have your Spanish churches. And and that's just the way that we've Managed. And here's the thing that's really interesting, too. A church that's considered a multicultural church tends to be a church that is led by a white pastor who then opens the doors and then black people starts to come. It's not usually seen the other way around. Really interesting. Just something to think about. Just something to think about. And in this, 
this doesn't quell my hope for the church. I, I think we can overcome. I think we can begin to be a place of reconciliation, a place of healing. But I, I think that there's some things that we have to come to conclusions of within ourselves in order for that to be able to happen. But again, this is not new. This was something that happened in biblical times, and it is something that is still a challenge today that we have to look at ourselves and be willing to deal with. Now, here's the thing that I think is really interesting is now when we begin to get to the solution about how the problem was handled, I wish that we were able to have some greater insight into Acts chapter 6 so that we can really have this problem broken down. What were the conversations like? What, what was the background uh, conversations like? What were some things that, that had to be worked through? How did they deal with this idea of uh, this discrimination that was happening. I, I wish that there was more detail about the processes that they went through in order to come to the conclusions that they did or to make the decisions that they made. But there's still a ton that we can learn from their decisions that we could take and that we could apply to our lives today. And I think if we were able to apply them to our lives, apply them to the church, and apply them to America today, we could actually begin to see healing happen in our nation. So what was the solution? It says, so the 12 called a meeting of all the believers, so that the 12 meaning the 12 disciples, they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will give them this responsibility. The first thing that we see here is they don't deny that there is a problem. They recognize it. But they also recognize that we, we have to make sure that we keep our focus in the right place. So here's what we want to do is for the apostles, we will continue to focus on teaching the word of God, sharing the word of God, helping people grow in their relationship with God. But when it comes to this food program, we are going to hand that down and we're going to ask you to choose seven men among you, seven brothers among you to help you to be able to run this program. So I think that that's the first step is to not deny that there's a problem. And now here's the thing. The 12 apostles were 12 what? Jewish men. They were 12 Jewish men. And they were able to recognize that there's still a problem. So I think it's important, and I talked about this a little bit on Sunday, is sometimes when it comes to some of the problems that exist in our culture, we have a tendency to deny the existence of those problems if it doesn't affect us. If it doesn't affect me, then we can say that the problem doesn't exist. The, the example that I gave on Sunday in reference to this is that of sexism. If a woman were to come to me and say to me about the the differences between the income of a man that works the same position, works the same hours, and how that is higher than a woman. Uh, if they came to me and they were talking to me about the opportunities for women that exist, but how we must create more opportunities for women. If they were to talk to me about some of the sexist ideals that still exist today, that still affect how we make decisions today that still affect how women are impacted today. I can look at that and I can say, well, that's just not true. That's not true. Why could I say that? Because I'm not a woman. 
So I am not connected to the inner workings of the challenges of the problem that exists, nor would I see the problem that exists. Because again, why? I'm not a woman. So we actually saw this in America in 2020 when blacks talked about the problem with systemic racism that exists in our culture, many whites said, I don't see it. So therefore, it must not be a problem. They denied it. Uh, many times when the poor would talk about some of the challenges that they would have, the rich would say, I don't see it. It must not be a problem because it doesn't affect me. So we can begin to look at some of the problems that we can have discussions about, but in order for there to really be a dialogue, there has to be the willingness to admit that the problem does exist even if I'm not a part of it, even if I don't, even if I don't see it or if I don't recognize it, especially even if I, if I don't feel like the problem affects me or impacts me, that, that still does not deny the fact that the problem exists. So I must be willing to listen to those who are affected by the problem, to know. And so that's what the Jewish apostles did with the Hebrew-speaking people, is they did, not, they did not deny that there's a problem. They recognized it. They, they recognized it. And they said, well, let's create a system so that we could be able to confront this thing head on. So choose seven men among you. Now, here's the thing that's really interesting about this. It goes on to say, Everyone liked the idea, starting at verse 5. Everyone liked the idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurius, Nicanor, Timon, Perminius, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven men were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. Now, notice their names. These were not Jewish names. So what did they do? Is they went and they chose seven Greek-speaking believers to deal with the problem. Because they felt like the best people probably to deal with the problem are those who recognize that there is a problem so let's come up with the best solution to work through this. I love that idea, is let's invite everyone to the table to have a dialogue and to talk about it. I'll tell you that, and I'm just gonna be honest, and I'm gonna be someone of candor with you. Our church is a part of the Southern Baptist denomination. And one of the reasons why I really like being a part of this denomination is because of the fact that when you have um, other denominations, usually what happens is you have a head that tells all the churches how they need to run. Well, with the Southern Baptist denomination, every church is independent. They make their own choices. They make their own decisions. No two churches are the same. No two churches look alike. No two churches act alike. They have the ability to self-govern themselves. And actually what happens is those churches can vote to tell the head what it wants it to do, which is, which is really neat. 
Now, one of the things that has happened in the Southern Baptist denomination, the reason why it was formed, actually, is there used to be one Baptist denomination. But then, in the 1800s, they actually divided to create a Northern Baptist, which later became the American Baptist, and a Southern Baptist denomination. Now, why did they do that? Because the Southern Baptist denomination wanted to keep slavery. They wanted to keep slavery. And you may be thinking, well, wait, can you are part of something like that? It goes on, it goes on, where eventually what began to happen is there began to be a change. And now I would say that a majority, that within the Southern Baptist denomination, there is a plethora of black pastor-led churches a part of that denomination. And there was one point in its history where the Southern Baptist denomination did apologize to all blacks for and ask for forgiveness for the simple fact that they made this decision to align themselves with slavery. So that's great, right? I mean, there's been some steps there to move forward. There's still some challenges and some things that we need to work through. And so I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Recently, the Southern Baptist denomination decided that the idea of white privilege does not exist within America. And they also decided that to advocate white privilege exists in America means that you, as a black person, have not forgiven America for the sins of the past. So I'll tell you, when I, when I read that, that hit me really hard. It, being a black man, it hit me really hard because I have been a victim of seeing white privilege. I've experienced it in my own life. Now, here's the thing that's really interesting. When a Southern Baptist made that, made that decision, the group that made that decision were all white men. So do you already see a problem that, with that? How can you make a decision that something does not exist when you don't have a dissenting voice that is a part of the decision-making process. So many black pastors have decided to leave the Southern Baptist denomination as a result of it. I'm staying, and the reason why I'm staying is because I'm hoping that in some ways I can still be of influence in our denomination. But I'll tell you, it was one of those things that's really frustrating. But this also is vitally important for us to understand. If we are going to bring about change in our culture, in our country, in our nation, we need to be willing to make sure that for every decision that we make, that there are multiple voices that have an opportunity to be able to share about their experience, to be able to share about their challenges, to be able to share about the problem. We must be willing to walk in the shoes of another person so that we can understand what it is that they've gone through, what it is that they've dealt with, and maybe, just maybe, in, in listening, what we can do is we can come to this point where healing and restoration can happen because we're listening to one another. We're acknowledging that the problem really exists and we're actually working together to solve the problem. So imagine what that would look like in our culture today. For example, in the Southern Baptist denomination, it would have been the people that were in charge of making those decisions 
if we would have applied biblical practices of what this church did in Acts chapter 6, what the early church did, then what we would have done is we would have had black people as a part of that panel to be able to share their own experiences and to share their own thoughts. So we can go through this list of challenges that happen in America and let's make a commitment to open up the door so that those who are experiencing the problem have an opportunity to be able to voice the problem and to be able to recognize that they're truly being heard. That they're truly being valued. That they're truly being significant. And I think if, if, if we can do that, like I said before, that will open up the door for healing to happen in our land. It, it will. So that's why I stay a part of the Southern Baptist denomination as I'm hoping that we will be able to eventually have a voice to be able to deal with that decision. And it's important for us to understand that just because you are, are acknowledging a problem is happening doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven someone who is a part of the problem. You can forgive something, right? And isn't that the truth? Can't you forgive something and still have the ramifications of the problem? And I think that that's been the challenge. That's been the thing that's really frustrating to me is we had some people who made a decision not willing to acknowledge that the problems still do exist. That there were some decisions that were made based on a racial bias that established a racial system that's in our culture that we have to wrestle with and work through to this day, to this day. So I'm hoping that that will happen, but not only racially, I'm, with sexism. I'm hoping that women will be able to get opportunity to really have their voices so that we could be able to bring about healing in our nation in those circumstances. I'm hoping that the poor will be able to talk about their experience so that we could begin to try to find some type of solution for them to be able to survive. I'm hoping. And, and that's the thing. In order for us to be willing to do that, there has to be some humility. There has to be enough humility to be able to admit that there is a problem, that it does exist. And I love what verse 7 says. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted to. So when they saw the solution that the church applied to this problem, it actually opened the door for the spreading of the good news. So I, I just want to challenge the church as a whole. How can we cause conversations to happen? How can we take action in such a way that people will see the heart and the passion of God to deal with the challenges that we face as a nation. And the beauty of that is what if it could be led by the church? This idea for solution, this idea for healing, this idea for restoration, this idea for renewal, that it can be led by the church. 
imagine just imagine if the church especially for those that have those attitudes that continue to cause problems to exist imagine if the church stood forward and just apologized I remember I read a book called Blue Like Jazz by Donald Miller and he was talking about an experience that he had what I think is really beautiful he said we set up booths on a local college campus and they were confession booths and so when people walked by and they said well I don't really have anything to confess they said no 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 it's not you confessing to us it's us as a church confessing to you and it is us as a church asking for your forgiveness so they begin to sit down with people and have conversations with them and if and they ask people like tell us about problems that you've had with church or with churches and people begin to share their problems and their struggles that they had with church the people that were listening didn't defend the church they listened and then their next step was will you please forgive us for what was done to you and he talked about just how beautiful of a moment that was for the people who heard it for the people who experienced it how much of a healing it resulted in so I, I think as a church, we, we really do. We, we've got some work to do. We've got some confessions to make. we got some apologies to offer. But I think if we do that, we could see a movement in this nation toward God like none that we've ever seen before. And maybe, just maybe, we could see a step toward healing like we've never seen before. So I want to take this time out to say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I know that I probably brought up some things that were uncomfortable. I, I always wrestle with what I should say and what I should bring up or what should I, I, I communicate or what I should talk about. But I also don't want to be afraid to tackle the tough issues. I, I want to be able to be real about them and to be able to acknowledge. And maybe if we can acknowledge it, we can begin to dialogue about it. And if we could dialogue about it, we could begin to bring about healing. So I, I know that there are those who probably listen to this podcast and maybe turned it off with some of the things that I've said. So if you didn't and you're still here, thank you. Thank you. And I just want to encourage you, what steps can you take to be a part of the healing process? And, and maybe... Maybe you're not on a committee. Maybe you're not in the government. But maybe what you can do is invite someone who thinks differently than you do, who acts differently than you do, who does not identify with Christ the way that you do, who does not identify with church the way that you do. But maybe you can sit down and have a conversation with them and just listen to their story, not try to analyze it, not try to minimize it, not try to explain it away, but simply listen 
And if confession needs to be made, if an apology needs to be made on behalf of the church and their experience, offer it. Offer it. And you can even say, you know what, I, I can't. I can't speak for the people who did this to you. But I can speak to you as someone who attends church and who loves Jesus. I am so sorry for what it is that you've gone through. And maybe in our relationship, we can begin to make changes where the church does things differently. And then you take your conversation and you go back to your church and you talk to your pastor about it and you talk to your leadership about it. And you begin to work through how can we get to a point where as a church, we represent Jesus in a way that brings honor to him, as well as begins to heal our land. So like I said, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. If you're listening on our website, you can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you can find podcasts, we're probably there. So you can go, you can download, you can listen, subscribe to us, you can listen. Again, rate and review us so that other people will be able to find us. If you wouldn't give us a high rating, please let us know why. I would love to continue to build this podcast in such a way to where it touches lives. And let's be praying for our nation. Matter of fact, you know, usually I end with talking about the three things that encounter is all about, which, you know, love God, love people, love yourself. But I want to wrap up today a little bit differently. I just want to wrap it up praying for our nation. Father, I just want to take this time out to come before you. And I want to lift up our nation to you. Father, I want to pray for healing to happen in America. There is such a cultural divide that exists within our nation. And this chasm just seems to be growing daily. So Lord, I, I pray that this healing can happen. I pray that this renewal can happen. I pray that this restoration can happen. And Father, I know that it really does start with us. So I pray that we're willing to examine ourselves, that we're willing to be humble, that we're willing to confess our sins, turn from our ways, seek your face, so, Father, that you can forgive our sins and heal our land. In all these things we ask in your name. Amen. Well, take care. God bless you. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us for the Encounter Community Church podcast. If you could do us a favor, whatever service it is that you're listening to this podcast on, please rate and review us. If there's anything that we can do better, please let us know. But by rating and review, it also make our podcast easier for others to be able to find. If you would like to support us at Encounter financially with what it is that we're doing to make a difference in our community, whether it's the mobile food bank, whether it's serving at North High School, or making a difference, again, in our community, feel free to head over to our website, encountercommunity.church. Click the link that says online giving. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way when we post new live streams or new vlogs, you'll be updated. 
as well as please head over to Facebook and like our page. That way when we post new podcasts, again, new vlogs, new live streams, or have church events, you'll be updated and know what's going on here at Encounter. As we said before, thank you so much. We're so glad to have you with us, and we look forward to you being a part of the podcast next week.